The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Good morning, Ecclesia. Thank you for joining us today for worship. I have to say, it was so good to see so many of you at Evensong recently in the flesh, even half of your faces. Just the smiles in your eyes was such a gift to me and to my heart and to my soul as we make it through these crazy times together. Thank you for joining us today. It also is a gift to me to know that so many of us are gathering at the same times um, in our city, but also around the country and even around the world. Um, it's good to be together. So we pray once again that God would bring unity to us in our diversity, in our separation, in our distance, that God would be uniting us again and again. So let's pray together as we prepare our hearts for worship. Holy God, we need you once again. Day by day, we need you. We need you today. We pray that you will give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you. We pray that in our time of worship, you will unite us even across the distance that holds us apart. We pray for healing for our world, for our nation, for our city, for our own hearts. We pray that you would bring healing and justice and hope and love. Bring us your kingdom, God. We need it desperately. Be with us in our time of worship today. We pray in the holy name of the Trinity. Amen. Friends, let's join in song and enter into worship together. Gonna scream it from the moon. 
family, friends, guests, ecclesia, thank you for joining us in worship today. I invite you in this time of offering to give thanks to God for the blessings that he's given us so that we too might be a blessing to others. Join me in this prayer. God, our provider and sustainer, you bind all creation together, every molecule a gift from your hand. The life and love of Jesus display the power of generosity. Two fish, five loaves, magnified to feed thousands. We give because we belong to you and to one another. We give trusting that you will use these gifts to do what none of us can do alone. We open our hands in joy and hope. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hello everyone, I am very proudly sporting my Kids Camp t-shirt with the theme of Together. And we were reminded that even though we're apart in this season, we can be together in other ways and together, especially in community. And one of the things that we get to do, Ecclesia, as a community is provide hot meals to our homeless sisters and brothers in this city. And as you know, we have shifted things a little bit and we are supporting local Houston restaurants to help us in providing these hot meals. Our team is still distributing the meals, but we are getting to support local Houston businesses to provide the food. And if you would like to be involved in that and help sponsor these meals, we would love for you to email Lauren at EcclesiaHouston.org. And now for a very special treat, you get to hear directly from our incredible outreach pastor, Manny. My name is Manuel Sanchez. Most people call me Manny. Um, I'm a community pastor and um, director of outreach here at, um, at the downtown campus. Since the start of the, the pandemic, we've been uh, really focusing on uh, the encampment that's um, just the east of the um, downtown campus. You know, when you see somebody hungry, you feed them. When you see somebody thirsty, you give them some water and if they're naked, you clothe them. And uh, we can literally see that right on our doorstep. So it just seemed like a no brainer. That's exactly where we're gonna be serving. Uh, at the start of the pandemic, when they had a shutdown, um, our, our friends that lived at the encampment and also at, the, at Harmony House, uh, they were often the first people to be laid off. A lot of the jobs that they had were uh, entry level positions or temporary positions. And um, they're often the first people to get, um, to get laid off or um, just asked not to come back. We really wanted to help provide some of the basics um, we can't always provide everything for, for, for our friends, but um, we figured that uh, consistent meals, just items that would help keep their dignity, um, razors, um, toothpaste, deodorant, things like that. Previously for, you know, for the past three, four months, we were cooking for them here at the church. And um, that, that really touched them that they were getting kind of quote unquote a home cooked meal. Uh, that it was actually a good meal, that it wasn't like bologna sandwiches 
or um, just straight up, um, you know, just meat in the can. Uh, when we first started going out, um, it was, okay, here's a freebie, you know, and it was just grab it and go. And then as we were consistently serving them and showing up at the same time and getting to know their names and and um, asking them how things are going, um, that they that people tend to soften up when you're that consistent and then that you're showing that much care and you're dispensing kindness as well as food and I'm just seeing them where they're at. It's, it's really a sweet thing to see um, that we actually went out and purchased a meal for them and gave them something out of a restaurant um, that was really good and that we were intentional about it. It wasn't some leftovers that we had in the back of the car coming from a restaurant that we just decided to hand out the window and here you go, hope you like it. It was like, yeah, we're thinking of you. We wanted to go ahead and do something for you while also supporting some of our restaurant friends. They are showing up because they know where they can go to get their needs met. They can know for acts of kindness, of acts of generosity. Um, this church body, this mem church membership, um, folks of Ecclesia have always been generous and always been willing to help out when they can. And, um, and we've got that reputation as a people of peace, as a people of, um, of living open-handedly and sharing and being a place where needs can be met. They know where they can go to, to hear a kind word, to be tended to, to be shown acts of kindness and love, and just in, in, really to be encouraged. Manny, thank you so much for all of the work that you're doing and the way that you are leading your team to continue to share from what we have with others who don't have. And Ecclesia, if you would like to continue to support all of the efforts, um, these as well as global, please consider giving by text 84321. Thank you so much for your generosity. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and I get to speak to you from my backyard today. I got a smile on my face because it's the first meaningful thing I've done. Uh, well, there's a lot of meaningful things I've done, but most of them have been in my bed. So if you haven't uh, been aware, uh, about the time kids camp started, uh, I ceased doing deliveries and a lot of my job because my uh, second daughter, Trinity, uh, started showing some symptoms of being sick a few days later. She tested positive for COVID. It wasn't a surprise to me when I started feeling sick. I can tell you, at least for me, the symptoms for me have been brutal in the nighttime. I felt a little bit better in the daytime. I'm grateful not to have an extreme cough or struggle breathing. Uh, Trinity had some of that and she's bounced back really well. We have a number of people in the church right now that are infected with it. I wanna ask you to pray for them and to be encouraged uh, as we try to walk this path together. Though we can't be together each week, God is doing something beautiful. And I wanted to share with you briefly from Ecclesiastes, and then Sean's going to share a word uh, with us as well. And he begins this book saying, life is fleeting. It's like a passing mist. It's like trying to catch hold of a breath. All vanishes like a vapor. Everything is great vanity. What good does it do to work so hard again and again, sun up to sundown, all his labor to gain but a little? 
One generation comes, another goes, but the earth continues to remain. The sun rises and sets, laboring to come up quickly to its place again and again. The wind travels and blows towards the south and swings back to the north. And he describes this cycle where everything tends to repeat. And he says this thing, there's nothing new under the sun. Now for us, many of us feel like this season's new. This is different. And truly, there are some different things that have converged in this season, but there have been other pandemics and other struggles. And God's people have endured great difficulty. And in those times, we often realize that the things, like Solomon realizes in this book, that it's not about how many houses you have, right? It's not about how much wealth that you have. It's about a sense of peace in knowing your God and knowing and loving your God and knowing and loving your neighbor. And so today, as Sean shares with us, I want to invite you to consider where you, whether you're feeling really healthy, uh, hopefully healthier than I feel at this moment, or whether you're really struggling uh, in your physical, mental, spiritual health, to be able to say, God, what is it? Help me see what it is that matters most in this world. Let me pray for you and pray for Sean. Lord God, I thank you for the journey that we're on together as a church. I pray for our city in the midst of a great crisis, as many are ill, and we ask today, God, that you would bless us and heal us, those of us that are sick and are struggling in many different ways. We pray this prayer together, and we pray it in your name, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. Hello, Ecclesia. I think it's safe to say that most of us never thought the pandemic would keep us at home quite this long and keep us distance from people that we love, people that we are so used to being around, people that we need to be around for quite this long. And it's been a tough time. It's been a tough time for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a little kid or if you're an adult. We're just in a hard time as a country and as a world. And then right in the middle of a pandemic, we started to have this national conversation about race and justice and racial justice. And suddenly there are companies and politicians, all of us are beginning to take stock and notice things that we hadn't really noticed before. And all that to say that the world has changed an incredible amount in the last 120 or so days. And when the world changes like that, it leaves us disoriented in some ways that we're not used to, asking questions that we haven't asked before, seeking answers. And I don't know about you, but my newsfeed every day is blowing up, and so is my phone with questions that people are asking about their own lives and about the nature of life. Most of them kind of boil down to one question, which is, what do we do? And in the middle of all of this turmoil and disruption, we are right in the middle of an election year. And that always comes with some tensions and anxieties. And one of the things, just the reality of who we are and where we are in space and in time, is that virtually everything that we encounter now becomes politicized. The virus itself has been hijacked by partisan politics, mask, wearing a mask, whether or not to wear a mask has been hijacked by partisan politics, vaccines have been hijacked 
by politics. Black bodies have been hijacked by partisan politics. Brown bodies hijacked by partisan politics. So much of what we deal with every day, so many of the conversations, at least the conversations that I have with people are really trying to ferret out and figure out what side everybody falls on, where we align. Like we can't even really get aligned as a country about the best way to treat children who may have come to the country brought here by their parents and, and what are we gonna do about all of that? And in the middle of it, this center for where we are to learn about new things and discover new things, like in the media, well, that's been hijacked by partisan politics too. And all of that leaves us asking, what are we supposed to do? What's mine to do? And that's hard to know because underneath that very question is an even deeper question. Just who, who should I listen to? And everybody all around us is vying for our attention. They're shouting for our attention. And for a whole lot of reasons, we live in an increasingly truth, absent and post-factual culture. That there are voices on the right and the left, even in the center, people in religion and politics and government in the news who want us to listen to their voice. And we don't even ask very much if things are true. I don't even know if most of the world around us even cares if things are true. Truth is so overrated now. We just care as a culture whether or not something fits into our worldview, whether we want it to be true. It's in a culture that no longer cares about truth. Christians have a unique calling to be truth tellers and lovers of truth because there's just no one else left to do it. Oscar Wilde said that in a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And everyone I know, probably everyone that you know, will say that they love the truth. But we might actually be lying when we say that. Sometimes what we call the truth is really something else. Sometimes what we call the truth is what we hope to be true. Sometimes it's something we heard secondhand or thirdhand or fourthhand. Sometimes what we want to call the truth is a worldview or a gut instinct that we have. Sometimes what we call the truth really isn't much more than the way that we were raised. But we might be lying when we say that. Sometimes what we call truth is really something else. Sometimes what we call truth is something that we hope is true. Sometimes it's something we heard maybe secondhand or thirdhand or even fourthhand. Sometimes what we call truth is a worldview or a gut instinct. And sometimes what we call truth really isn't a whole lot more than the way that we were raised. Truth is not easy. 
Because as much as we like to say we love the truth, we all at some point use the truth as a cover for other things that we actually love more than the truth. And one of the ways that we use the truth as a cover is when it reveals our own lack of spiritual formation. Some of you will remember Simon Cowell when he was a judge on American Idol. When someone gave a really bad performance or a really bad audition, you remember what he'd say when they'd ask his opinion? Like he'd say something that sounded like, if I'm being honest, and then he'd go on and devastate this young person and crush all their hopes and dreams, and we just loved watching that. And people would say, well, he's just being honest. He's just telling the truth. And that's not true at all. He was just being a jerk because he could have said anything. He said, that's not what we're looking for, or it needs more work. You need to go back to the beginning. But he would say things like, you're the worst singer in America, or you sound like Dolly Parton on helium. He was just mean. And you've known people like this, people who say the harshest things about other people, people who are made in the image of God, and then they try to whitewash it by saying, well, it's true. They act as if no other Christian ethic ever applies. It's true, but it's a dishonest truth. It's dishonest because it cuts against the direct teaching of Jesus who asks us to do unto others as we would have them do to us. It's the dishonest honesty of truth meant to injure. And another way that we use truth as a prop is for our own agendas. What happens more often is that there is a highly volatile or tense issue. And, and when we consider all the evidence, we just consider the evidence that supports our opinion. And then we call that the truth. We then have to figure out a way to dismiss or dis diminish the evidence that doesn't support our truth. The people who disagree with us, they're either liars or biased or stupid. Their evidence is tainted somehow. And one of the ways we do that is like, we just keep asking for more proof. They provide six examples, then we give them seven. They come up with seven examples and then we'll need eight. As long as we can figure out ways to keep upping the ante so that we can keep saying that we have the truth. And that too is a dishonest honesty of treating part of the truth as the whole truth, but part of the truth pretending to be the whole truth is ultimately an untruth. And so like Simon Cowell, some of us use the truth as a camouflage because we're just malicious people. And others see that the truths are not what we want them to be. But to love God, we really can't be carefree about the truth. Second Thessalonians captures it this way. The writer says, still the rebellious one arrives with all sorts of power, performing signs and fake miracles. Sanctioned by Satan, he employs every manner of wicked deception to while away those who are destined for eternal death because they reject the love of the truth that leads to salvation. And what he's saying is every word, every move, every post, every belief that moves us away from what is actually true is a move away from God. Second Thessalonians says that the love of truth leads to salvation. And if that's true, where does the rejection of truth or encouraging what is untrue or clicking like on something that is false, well, where does that lead to? There's a reason why the love of truth leads to salvation. In John 14, Jesus says, I am the path, the truth, 
and the energy of life. No one comes to me except through the Father. And this is what we desperately need to get inside of our bones. If we don't love truth, we can't love God. Just just repeat after me. If you don't love truth, you can't love God. Another way of saying that is that the love of truth is love of God. So we have to understand some things about the nature of truth because truth places demands on how we conduct ourselves in the world. And one of the things that we need to know is that truth actually requires virtues. If a person is spiteful or vindictive, if you're oozing with pain that you won't deal with, you will struggle to be a truthful person. You will struggle to be truthful because you cannot speak without your spite. You will lie and deceive and fabricate because truth will be an antiseptic to your pain and it'll always hurt. Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount that the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And if you're the kind of person who is brimming with malice and envy, with hatred, with judgment and contempt, when you try to speak the truth, you will mix a poisonous cocktail with your words. That's why you and I both know people who can say things that are factually accurate, but everyone hears them and hears their contempt. They lack virtues and it shows. Another thing we need to know is that the the truth won't always fit your agenda. It just can't. Now everybody says they wanna be truthful, but not everyone who agrees with you about politics or family life or money management or sports or whatever it is that you're interested, not all of those people are committed to Jesus as the truth. So sometimes they will lie to get what they want. They will cheat. They will even lie to you in order to keep your devotion. We have to love truth more than we love getting what we want. And we also need to know that the truth requires humility. Have you ever known someone who completely lacks the ability to say, I may be wrong? Well, those are not wise people. They may be smart people, argumentative people, well-informed people, but they are not wise. Socrates is considered by some as the founder of Western philosophy. He was widely considered the wisest man alive during his time. Everyone thought Socrates was the wisest except for Socrates. And he wondered why so many people thought that he was so wise. So Socrates set out to discover why. And do you know what he discovered? Socrates discovered that he was the wisest because he knew what he didn't know. Socrates was willing to say, I don't know And that's really radical in the 21st century. He was willing to say what so few of us are willing to say, which is simply, I might be wrong. One of my favorite phrases is this little word, epistemological humility. And all that means is I'm gonna be humble about what I think I know. And so I started to ask myself why it is that in this time of such disruption, In this age, why we're having so much trouble telling the truth, speaking truth. 
And I thought back to my childhood when I thought maybe my parents were going to punish me if they found out the truth. And I realized that the same thing that motivated me then motivates all of us now, and it's really simple. We don't tell the truth because we fear the consequences of the truth. But Jesus says in John 14, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And so what I want to submit to you is that if Jesus is the truth, and I can be secure that Jesus is the truth, and Jesus tells me that no matter what's going on in the world, that I should not let my heart be troubled, then it doesn't matter what's happening around me. It doesn't matter what my agenda is. It doesn't matter what I dislike. It doesn't matter what new truths are discovered. What matters is that Jesus is the truth and because I follow Jesus, I should never fear the truth. And I am freed to always speak the truth. And so as we enter into a long, hot summer in a contentious and tough election season. Ecclesia, I want to invite you to be women of men who are doggedly committed, not to a set of ideas or philosophies or platforms or agendas, but to the truth. Because as the gospel writer John reminds us, the love of truth is the love of God. Let me pray for you. God, help us to embrace the truth. Wherever we see it, wherever we find it, even when it feels initially threatening to us, that we be people of truth and who speak that truth and embody that truth with grace and virtuousness. That in our language, in our world, in our words, in our postings, in our conversations, that we would inhabit the fruit of the Spirit so that others may come to see what you have so graciously revealed to us, that Jesus and Jesus alone is the way and the truth and the life. And we ask all this in his name. Amen. Ecclesia, uh, join me as we prepare to feast together. It's at this point in our gathering where we're going to come to the table. So as you're gathered in your home, if you have not already, we're gonna sing a song in just a few moments. And that's a great time to gather the elements that you have in your house. Uh, whatever you've got for bread, I've got an English muffin here today, and I've got some wine, uh, juice, whatever you've got. Uh, feel free to gather those elements in just a few moments. Uh, but before we pray a prayer of confession, I just want to share a passage that has really been speaking to me in um, recent days uh, about what this means for us to come together as one body. And this is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. And the Apostle Paul writes this, speaking of Jesus, he says, He is the embodiment of our peace, since sent once and for all, to take down the great barrier of hatred and hostility 
that has divided us so that we can be one. He offered his body on the sacrificial altar to bring an end to the law's ordinances and dictations that separated Jews from the outside nations. His desire was to create in his body one new humanity from the two opposing groups, thus creating peace. Effectively, the cross becomes God's means to kill off the hostility once and for all so that he is able to reconcile them both to God in his one new body. And so Ecclesia, as we come to the table, we come together as one people, an image of what it means to be brought together in the future of humanity, that we all come together as one, multiple nations, multiple languages, praising God for the work he's done to bring us together and to make us whole. And so as we prepare for that, would you join me in this prayer confession as we pause to examine our hearts, the places where we need to confess and repent so that God can do the work of restoring and healing us and leading us to peace. Would you pray with me? Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you to make us one. And this is the blood of Christ shed for you to make us one. May we feast together and may God grant you peace. Amen. I cannot see
you to join with me now as we say a prayer for the younger generation that are in our hearts and lives today for our children. Father God, we thank you for these gifts, these bundles of energy and joy that we have surrounding us in this season. And Lord God, we ask right now that you would lift your face upon them and that you would shower them with your blessing, that you would shower them with your mercy, your peace, and wisdom beyond their years in this unique season. And we ask God that you would do this so that as they grow, they would be people of justice and people of mercy and people of love in our society. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Our benediction comes from Irish priest and poet, John O'Donohue. Blessed be the longing that brought you here and quickens your soul with wonder. May you have the courage to listen to the voice of desire that disturbs you when you have settled for something safe. May you have the wisdom to enter generously into your own unease, to discover the new direction your longing wants you to take. May the forms of your belonging and love, creativity and friendship be equal to the grandeur and the call of your soul. May the one you long for, long for you. May your dreams gradually reveal the destination of your desire. May a secret providence guide your thoughts and nurture your feelings. May your mind inhabit your life with the sureness with which your body inhabits the world. May your heart never be haunted by ghost structures of old damage. May you come to accept your longing as divine urgency. May you know the urgency with which God longs for you. Sisters and brothers, may you have the vision, the trust, the energy to love and serve in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.